0: About chicken king. Mango and garbanzo tabu potatoes and vegetables with roasted garlic and basil, zucchini ziti, panola fruit pop. Yeah, Look man. at all this beautiful food. Mm. Guys, welcome to Green Eggs and Dan, where I interview amazing people with amazing minds, but all I care about is what is in their fridge. I'm very excited about today's guest. Today, I have a multi hyphen it, insanely talented stand-up writer actor you can watch his amazing netflix special you're doing great you can read his book by the same title and he hosts the podcast breaking bread and come to papa please welcome tom papa everyone bravo bravo i'm very excited to talk to you because i feel like you and i are kindred spirits in this world of comedian foodies i think there's only a handful of us
1: yeah it's very true
0: i know i was very excited to hear that you were uh they are doing it. It's
1: very, very similar path.
0: Yes. And uh, I mean, I was a huge fan of your standup, obviously, before that. And then to find out that you, that we also shared this was very exciting. And we'll get into all of that. But first, Great. we're going to get into your fridge. You guys can see Tom's fridge on my Instagram, at StandUpDan. I'm going to share the screen here. And I didn't alter it. I didn't
1: move a thing. You you said it. I forgot. And I just went over and shot it. I, I have to admit, I was... Uh, I was contemplating putting my bread baskets in there. Oh, interesting! But uh, I'll let you take it, steer the ship. But yeah, this was uh, this was nothing was moved or or altered, as you can
0: tell. Well, I do want to talk about about uh, your obsession with bread because that is fascinating to me. But yes, this fridge looks like an amazing fridge. I mean, (laughs) I've seen again, especially you're definitely the number one comedian fridge that we've had <laughs> <That's> <laughs> that is for bar. sure yeah that is a low bar although I gotta say like you and Phil Rosenthal are like both have very well stocked fridges for comedy people <laughs> it's uh, it's fascinating so That's we'll good. start on the uh, I guess I could ding you a little bit for the aluminum foil on top of the olives yeah which is not my normally my
1: practice I'll seldom when I open a thing of olives I'll seldom use the whole thing. Yeah, but the proper way is to put them into a bowl or a Tupperware, get them out of that can, yes, and put them in. But this was a uh, this was a a child sous chef on uh, on Sunday who uh, wrapped it up and stuck it in there.
0: Oh, got it. All right. Well, you know, I hope you don't get tetanus from yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is I that, is that
1: why? Is that what <laughs> it's for?
0: I have no idea. I actually do this myself, so but I know that we're not supposed to. Like it's like one of those things we learned in elementary school. Like if there's a ding in the in the can, (laughs) then you're gonna die.
1: Right? (laughs) Exactly. The other upsetting thing is if you go to the second shelf, that other one that has uh, tin foil or aluminum foil on it is uh, dog food.
0: Oh. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, don't confuse the two. Yeah. And then uh your eggs here look like they're they've been crushed, but you brought them back to <laughs>
1: Well, that is an easter that is an easter uh casualty. That is easter eggs that were yeah. dyed. Okay. Colored hidden in the house and then put back in the container. Uh actually they, before they were hidden they're dyed, they're still wet, they go back in that, they're st- stuck in the uh, refrigerator for the rest of the day, and then they get hidden. And then when they're found, they went back into that into the. So that's hard boiled colored eggs if you were to open that.
0: Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. So I'm still very edible, yeah?
1: Yeah, very edible art project more than uh, your regular eggs.
0: That's fun. You're a maple syrup
1: guy? Yeah, that's uh that's my wife really. She's so hardcore. We've spent thousands of dollars on the real thing. You really? If we're even like in like a a crummy days in, she'll ask them, "Do you have real maple syrup?" And they're like, "This is the syrup we have." And she's like, "Oh, okay." And then she'll reach into her bag and pull out real maple syrup that she travels with. Like she's <laughs> so hardcore. She's so anti the just the syrupy high fructose American syrup that's not from the tree.
0: That is so funny, and also, I mean, I get it a hundred million percent. I I think that the uh, fake maple syrup versus real maple maple syrup is like there's really no com- competition. Yeah,
1: she's not wrong. She's definitely not wrong. But I would not, uh, I wouldn't seek out with a passion the real thing if i wasn't married to her
0: it's so charming though when you're like in the you know in the in the adirondacks and you're driving by and there's a house and they have like a little sign on it says maple syrup Mm -hmm. available yeah it's very hard to say no to that
1: especially when you're coming like from new york and for that for everyone that lives there they're like yeah yeah more maple syrup right
0: (laughs) yeah what's in the jars here by the way are these mothers are these uh
1: um yeah that is uh that um the one dead center the wide lid, that is one of the sourdough starters, the mother's. And then at the bottom shelf, there's another one you see tucked in there. That one, yeah. Those are my two starters. And uh, I keep them separate because they say, I mean, even though they're sealed, sometimes they're not as well. You don't want the yeast to contaminate the other one and alter it. So I keep them on separate areas of the refrigerator. Uh, the, on the top though, that, um, that kind of, uh, imposter next to the starter. That is, yeah, that is, um, my daughter, uh, fried, what'd she fry? I think she made like, um, buffalo cauliflower. Okay. And there's something else, maybe a donut or something she put in the, in the. Dutch oven a good amount of oil and she's uh, an eco kid so she saved the oil to be reused for another deep frying adventure and then she went off to college and we still have it in there (laughs) (laughs) so like like all college kids she's very eco as long as she doesn't
0: have to do it (laughs) yeah exactly exactly I mean yeah it it looks like I thought you were like confitting something in there no that's just Which, pure grease i guess it's the confit but without the actual without the ingredients in it and then you've got the i i love this beer that you have you have allagash white yeah really good yeah allagash white is interesting i went to at the allagash brewery and um they're in portland maine mm-hmm. and they the most beer that they sell is to southern california
1: oh interesting yeah and this is uh probably the lighter of the batch right
0: yeah, yeah, they have a lot of, I can't, it's funny, the older I get, I get, I've gotten allergic to hops. I can't do like super hoppy beers anymore. Oh, that's yeah. weird. What, what's your reaction? I get splotchy, I get red, yeah. I get hot. It's no. gross. It's not I don't,
1: good. I, 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 in recent years, don't drink a ton of beer. Like, yeah. But it is like, a, when it's when been really warm here in LA and it is a good, nice little summery feel or if we have making the right meal um so beer tends to hang around for a while yeah and then the Stella's next to it that's that's usually because when if somebody comes over and they want a beer Stella's like the new Budweiser
0: yeah that's perfect tell me about the Crush Orange this seemed out of character
1: totally out of character we (laughs) had uh we had some friends come over uh it was it was my a producer of my radio shows. Mother and father were coming over, and we had in our minds that they were going to come over. Uh, it became, it started because I love martinis, and his mom loves martinis, and we kept saying, "When the pandemic's over," like last April, we said, "When the pandemic's over in June of 2020, yeah, we're going to have that martini," and that quickly went to July, August. Maybe October, we got shut down again, and just the interminable, uh, never-ending shutdowns, and we finally got to have them over to the house. We all had our double vaccinations. They came over to the house last Thursday for that ultimate martini, which was such a triumphant meal and cocktail hour, and it was the first time we even met. It was so great. I love it. And but my pro- so the parents were all in on the martinis and having a good time. And my producer is a vegan and he does not drink alcohol. Okay. So I got him and his girlfriend orange crush and <laughs> uh, bottled root beer because I
0: figured, well, well, got to give him something kind of fun. I mean, that is rough. A vegan who doesn't drink alcohol.
1: Yeah, and he's a fun guy. He's a great guy. You don't, you don't you don't like feel like. He needs it to keep fueling the conversation or anything, right? Um, but you also you when you, if you look over and see somebody just drinking some tepid water, yeah, it makes you feel bad about yourself. So I figured if they had orange crush or root beer, it would look like they were having fun, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> and it would add to the rest of the, of the dynamic.
0: Uh, that's very thoughtful of you.
1: Yeah, I think they did go for one orange crush. I don't think they touched the root beer.
0: Your door is uh, also very wonderfully stocked with a, a lot of great condiments. Mm-hmm. Your The door, the inside door here. Yeah. I love this, uh, the Sento peppers. Yeah. Those are awesome. I know. I
1: don't think I've even used them yet.
0: Yeah. Those are good. And then you have a lot of olives without aluminum foil covering them here.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some of those probably, uh, I'm you know, like I said, I, I really like martini so there's usually a a jar of martini olives green olives and then people will give me olives uh they, you know it's a very particular olive for me that i can use in a martini so which one well the what's the brand um if you can zoom in on the red lid there at the bottom by the a- this one. one here yeah any of those that's that's the brand
0: oh man Mezzetta. mazetta yeah
1: mazetta uh has a great martini olive and it's just the right size no mm. pit, those might be in vermouth. Actually, those are good. My friend Dave Hill, who's a very funny comedian, he really loves the Mazzetta garlic stuffed olives, mm. which uh, you know, you're only chomping down on a big clove of garlic
0: after you're <laughs> done with the martini. <laughs> you get, get your courage up. What is your take on the blue cheese stuffed olive?
1: You may find see them in there actually there's some in the fridge now i'm not sure where oh yeah that someone gave me uh unless you're in a steakhouse and they are filling it up with the fresh blue cheese i have not found a jarred blue cheese stuffed olive that is anywhere close to feeling fresh.
0: Yeah, I don't, I mean, it seems like pretty easy to make your own at home, too.
1: Yes, good point. Yeah, really good point. That would, that's actually, I don't know why I never even thought of that. That would be perfectly, <laughs> that's a great, great little twist. <laughs> uh, get some fresh blue cheese and do your own. I love the idea. Like the garlic is good, you know, garlic clove stuffed in a jar in Mazetta and sitting in the supermarket that could be there for a year. Yeah. Blue cheese, no, it's
0: just, it's just the consistency just is. Lame. it's funny whenever i go to when i have a martini i usually have it with a twist mm-hmm. and but if i'm at a steakhouse that's when i'm like give me the blue, the stuff blue cheese olives
1: yeah it's a, we're, we're, the whole reason for being there is to see if you can survive
0: a heart attack that night so throw it on. <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> i love the museum of butter that you have here in the middle you've got one here on the left one on the right and then there's a space in the middle for for the first place, whoever that's going to be, I assume that the, that's where the Kerrygold goes, and you yeah, ran you're out.
1: Exactly right. Um, <laughs> I, if I can see, if, I wonder if I even have the picture. Uh, that you're exactly right. You you nailed it. On the left is the salted.
0: Yes. And then on
1: the right is the unsalted.
0: Right, Land O'Lakes. Right. Ha- I thought Land Lakes got canceled. Or maybe just the no, just artwork.
1: The, just the, It was so funny that when that happened because <laughs> it was the artwork of the Native American woman with the bounty in the middle. Right. And now they changed it, and they, now it's just a barren landscape. <laughs> There's nobody there. And I was even more offensive because I learned as a kid that you cut that out and if and she was on her knees with her bounty do you know this yeah. trick no remember this trick so she's you, s- you see her knees and her skirt and she's holding the stuff and very pretty and with her native american headdress and everybody deemed that that wasn't cool anymore but i used to take it you would we learned that you cut the land lakes out the cardboard out and like mad magazine if you folded And then fold it again, you could bring her knees up to her chest and they looked like boobs. I remember this. (laughs) Yeah. Has nothing to do with being racially insensitive. It's totally misogynist, but it was just race. You would raise the knees up to the. And I literally was showing my daughters this trick that I used to do with my friends when I was a kid. And like the next week is when she went away.
0: Oh my God, that is so funny. Have you tried it now with whatever barren landscape is to see what happens if you like put them together?
1: No, there's no fun. There's no (laughs) sex. There's nothing. (laughs) Oh, just Um,
0: bland, non sexual butter.
1: So, in the middle, though, you're right. In the middle, (laughs) it's better than Kerry Gull, though. There is a French butter that a friend of mine turned me on to. It comes like in a wheel. Oh, yeah. And I can only find, I've only found two places in LA that has it. I forget the name of it. i I apologize. I can't. Uh, I'm horrible with French names, and I can't find the label. But if I if I do, I'll, I'll let you know. I'm
0: sure if you just Google French butter, it'll come up, guys. Yeah,
1: maybe. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, that is the spot in the middle. That is the special French butter spot. I love it. Which is now. Probably because of when I took that photo, it's been on the counter for a, a day.
0: What is the rule for having butter out? It, can oh, you just? Ha- I, I have mean, a friend who has it out all the time. It's
1: very controversial, very controversial, and I have a good name-droppy story about it.
0: Oh, wonderful!
1: My wife was always, always when we started living together, uh, was always a butter on the counter person. Okay, and I grew up. It's all how you grow up. I was the butter in the refrigerator person is what it was in my house, and my wife was always saying it's fine on, on the thing and it's soft, ready to go. And yeah. I said, you know, it's disgusting. And I did Martha Stewart show, and we were doing a cooking segment. And I decided, well, in the middle of this, I'm going to settle this. And I and I as we we're making crepes or something, and I said to Mar- I asked Martha, butter. Do you leave it on the counter? My wife likes to leave it on the counter. Do you leave it on the counter, put it in the fridge? She just shook her head and said, you don't leave butter on the counter. I was like, whoa. Whoa. So I really was like, I won that argument because I have Martha Stewart on my side. And then though, in the ensuing years, I just got into bread baking. We use a lot more butter. Uh, I quietly let her just keep it out we don't really talk about it, but it's out all the time. So I decided to uh, do a little bit of a deep dive. And the it seems like the agreed science is, if you're going to use it within the week, hmm. leaving it out is fine. It doesn't create any more bacteria. It's totally safe. Covered, it's totally safe. Uh, you don't want to leave it you know, longer than that.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah, so I still feel like if you have the time and a little fourth forethought you could take that beautiful butter out 20 minutes before you're going to need it for your toast and then when it's done you put it back in the refrigerator
0: I can never do that I mean that makes sense that's exactly what should be done but (laughs) I'm always like it's like 10 seconds left in the toaster and I'm like, oh shit, the butter. And I take out a brick <laughs> a exactly. brick of butter and I just try to I try to put it on the bread, but then it just like cuts into the bread. Yeah, it's a and it's...
1: clanging. And oh. <laughs>
0: it's or I'll put I'll put like the I'll cut the pats off, I'll put them on the bread, and I'll put it back in the toaster, and then it melts through the bread and like it ends up on my toaster. I know. It's a it's an awful thing. I think I'd rather risk the botulism or whatever it is that I would get from having it on the <laughs> counter.
1: Well, do you ever use ghee? Ghee?
0: Cook with ghee? Not, not really,
1: no. That's like a, I guess It's like it's a, a clarified butter. Exactly. And that, they say, don't put in the refrigerator. That And that, they say, you can keep out for months. So hmm. I don't know what the science is behind any of it. It all seems a little creepy.
0: <laughs> I mean, ghee is basically butter without the milk solids. So I guess if the milk is the thing that attracts the bacteria, that makes sense. Right, right. I don't know, man. There's only
1: a couple dishes I've made with... Uh, with ghee and it's it is good it's a nice it's a nice in between oil and butter yeah and you
0: feel Um, ethnic you feel exotic when you cook with it totally totally (laughs)
1: because yeah you're always putting cumin in something and maybe some almond slices and yeah absolutely now
0: i'm not surprised that you have the discipline to take the butter out 20 minutes before because you've gotten into bread baking and bread baking i tried to get into it for a while and it was just like i don't i I'm not a very good savory. I'm not a good sweet sweet cook. Like I'm I'm not very good at pastry and and desserts just cuz it's so precise. And I thought that the precision that came with bread making, it's like precision but then over like days I was like I can't do this. This is killing me. <laughs>
1: well, I was the same as you. I'm not I'm not really great with cakes and pastries. That is too much precision for me, but bread is somewhere in between. It's it's precise-ish, it is time-consuming. It definitely, you have to fold it into your life. And it's not like, hey, I'm going to, it's like one of those things, like when you see a recipe, you're like, let's make this tonight. And then the first line is, uh, you know, leave the butter out for 24 hours. <laughs> you know, yeah. and you're like, oh, I'm not <laughs> making these now. Or, or leave like 24 hours for rising time. It's It has to be a part of your life and kind of fold it in. And uh, it's definitely time-consuming. But as far as the accuracy, there is a give and take. There is a – it's, a, I would say, sloppy precision.
0: Yeah, there's a scale. There's a scale. I think that's where I was out, when there is a scale involved.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but I am definitely not the the dialed-in type with that stuff. And I do use a scale, but it's – but it's forgiving.
0: How much do you nerd out on sourdoughs? Like, do you, do you seek out weird, rant, you know, like, this batch is from a 2000... year There was an uh, <laughs> yeah. Excelsior came out of the rock and blessed, <laughs> blessed the uh, yeah. sourdough.
1: It is pretty remarkable that they're able to find, like, these little old fossilized chips of it and be able to regenerate it and make it, which is... it's. I've never had any. I have no real desire to... I I, I geek out in finding people who know how to do it well yeah. and traveling when I travel, I'll go seek out like the best bakery around and, and kind of see what flowers they're using and that kind of thing. Like wow. I definitely geek out on at that level. But uh, as far as finding the actual starter, that thing seems like a like kind of a an isolated part of the quest, which I don't think it would make much of a difference. I'm more interested in finding different flowers that are pretty unique that like people have reintroduced to an area where it used to grow like in like in southern california there was like this certain kind of wheat used to be grown here and it's no longer uh there but people have the seeds and a farmer like recultivates it and now we're able to get back to what that natural wheat was from that region like yeah. that that interests me so yeah I, i'm pretty deep into it
0: there's a lot of that happening in the south i feel like they're a lot of finding like the, the grains that haven't been used since like the 1800s and re, you know the, yeah like the rices in carolina and stuff like that
1: right right there's a yeah, lot of the,
0: people nerding out on that
1: yeah there's something to it you know there's there's definitely uh, i don't know there's like i i feel like with it, all food i think and wine Especially if there's a story attached to it that always has more meaning and I enjoy it so much more. If I ever like read about a certain wine or visited a certain vineyard or uh, heard about the story of this chicken, yeah, whatever, like I mean, that to me, like it roots it, it gives it meaning and it affects your experience with it. So I think I don't know, like. Does it matter?s That you're growing that rice again there? Like, is it good? Like, is it better? Or I don't know. But it's a cool story.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Like when the sommelier comes over and they start just like. They just start painting a world of like, <laughs> you know, the shale rocks and the <laughs> and the yeah. old man who's been there forever. I'm like, give it to I will bathe in that story. Yeah, I, I'm it. here for it.
1: Yeah. And most of it's legit. You like most of it, you know, if they have like a small place and you can hear from the person and they'd uh, yeah, I'm all about it. I think um, when they when you have when you are in the supermarket and you're looking at that wall of wine. And you don't have any attachment to it. You're just going by late. You're actually like writing stories in your own head. Well, there's a tiger running. <laughs> like, what's his little tail? It's too. But if you just know one, it's it's so much richer.
0: So I think my your pandemic obsession became bread, I'm assuming. Mine became wine just because I was like, I'm going to be drinking a lot. So I might as well you know, be be an educated alcoholic. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like there was a moment on your podcast, on the Netflix podcast that I was doing, where you and I went off on a little funny tangent, and I don't even remember what it was, but we both said, like, Nebbiolo we were talking about. Uh (laughs) And I was like, oh, Tom Papa knows his stuff when it comes to wine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: I had a similar thing. Like, my my bread started way before the pandemic. That was, like, years before. So I was just kind of, like, caught the wave of everybody coming in. Oh, wow. And they couldn't find wheat. I had been talking about starter. You didn't need to buy weed in a store. you know. I was ahead of that. But I had a similar thing to you with the wine because I did a gig for somebody, and they paid me in wine. And it was like
0: three and a half cases of really great wine. Wait, that's like, amazing. Was it for the winery, or was it like a guy who was like, I got these wines, I'll pay you in these? It was a guy...
1: It was a, a rich guy who... Uh, I, I was like, I didn't feel like asking for money for this writing thing. And I was just like, just pay me in wine, expecting he'll just send a bottle. And three and a half cases show up. Like I literally, two weeks before lockdown, of like opening the wooden crate, checking I mean, these beautiful Bordeaux's and this beautiful Barolo's. And I was like, oh my God. And then when the, it was like stuff you should save. Yeah. But the apocalypse hit. So I was like, <laughs> If not now, when? (laughs) Yeah. So I literally lived, I literally only have a couple bottles left. I just lived on the greatest wine (laughs) through the pandemic.
0: Oh, my God. I love
1: it. Oh, so great. Yeah. If you ever get a gig and you're like, I don't know what to charge or I don't know what to just say, pay me in wine and just see what happens. It's a great little trick.
0: That is so smart because wine people love sharing their wine. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's a very smart, it's a very smart move.
1: Yeah, it's really great. And then I've had other people that. do it and they'll just, you know, they'll just pick a really great bottle from Wally's or whatever mail service is going to send it to you. And they usually, you usually do really well with those. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's funny. I went to dinner at a friend's house last night. I haven't seen her in a long time. And she married this dude and they have a house and they don't, they don't care about wine at all. Like they're uh-huh. just not wine. They're tequila people. And I was like, let's have some wine with our dinner. And he wasn't home yet. And she was like, just get whatever you want from the wine fridge. And I opened the wine fridge. And it was the most insane, like, amazing, <laughs> insane wines. And I'm like, I don't feel comfortable opening these. Like, text him, ask him what he wants. So she texts. He's like, no, no, no. He can open whatever he wants. It really doesn't matter. So I went nuts and, like, started with, like, a 96 Burgundy. Wow. <laughs> and then, like, a 2006 Chateau neuf du Pop. I was like... A kid, wow, like they just didn't care. The They're like, best. yeah, we got this for our weddings. We just don't know what they are. Yeah, go ahead. Have at it. <laughs> it was amazing.
1: Oh, man. <laughs> I have a brother-in-law in New Jersey who has a small wine cellar, and I just always bust him that when I come, I just get to pick whatever. And it just kills them. It just kills them because I'm just like <laughs> rolling in there like just looking to hurt them.
0: <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's the best. Yeah. Did you, when, you, when you're when you on the road, are you seeking out restaurants and stuff like that? Or do you basically go, go to the hotel, do the show, go back to the hotel?
1: Usually have like w- try and get one meal, one decent meal in. It depends. You know, it depends on the schedule and stuff. If I'm there for like a weekend, I'll seek out and try and find something good. Uh, usually on the first night when I'm not going to be out too late performing. They went Friday, yeah. Saturday, Saturday comes. It's so late. You're rolling off stage at like midnight. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of times the one constant though is I'll always try and find really good coffee. Oh, okay. I'll try and find a really good. I I actually try and plan my hotels. Can I walk to a good coffee shop? Really? Yeah, because it's an indication that you're in a pretty cool environment. That right. If you're able to walk to really good, you know, thoughtful coffee, that usually means the neighborhood's going to be kind of cool, and it'll be a walking kind of a area, you know, that kind of thing. That usually dictates it. And if you can have a good, and if you have a really good coffee, sometimes when you're buzzing on the road and r- moving quickly. Like, that is your kind of, like, uh, experience more than the, the nice restaurant.
0: That's a very interesting litmus test for a cool neighborhood or, a f- mm-hmm. or, like, a good neighborhood to stay in is, like, do they have a La Marzocca <laughs> machine?
1: <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or a bookshop. If they have a bookshop, you're usually getting into the, the right area, too.
0: Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> Tom is a highbrow bread guy, but let's talk about lowbrow bread. Wonder Bread has a very fun history. It was invented in 1921 and got the name from an exec at the company who saw an international balloon race and was filled with wonder by the scene of hundreds of balloons creating a kaleidoscope of colors resulting in the iconic red, yellow, and blue balloons on the logo. But where the bread really took off was in the 1930s when they pre-sliced the bread. This was a revelation In fact, it was the best invention since Nothing because sliced bread hadn't been invented yet However, there was a little lull in slicing during World War II When a steel shortage for the war effort caused Wonder To donate their slicers to be turned into weapons That's right Wonder went from slicing bread to slicing Nazis Quite the pivot, guys okay back to tom all right i'm gonna get into the questions that we ask every guest all right towards the end of the show starting with what is your earliest food memory
1: my earliest food memories were uh going to my grandmother's house in new jersey like there were these every sunday italian kind of big table uh lots of aunts and uncles and and people uh rolling around so yeah it was those just as a little kid like being welcomed into that kind of environment hearing all these people like making jokes and stories of my grandmother just pumping out italian food though that, that those are like my earliest Real that sounds very fun. Yeah, those are great.
0: Okay, you're on death row. I'm trying to think of what you'd be on death row for. Maybe uh, you went to a steakhouse and they served you the uh, blue cheese olives from the can. Ooh, and I stabbed and just, somebody. Yeah, you stabbed someone. Ooh, yeah, with a steak what, knife. Exactly. What is your death row meal?
1: Uh, my death row meal is that. It would be the a, a perfect steak, a perfectly charred New York strip with... Uh, interesting yeah a little more a little more fatty a little more but not too thick and then uh, some big old baked potato and maybe like some giant steakhouse onion
0: rings interesting so you're not a uh, ribeye guy
1: no not so much
0: Every, every time I try New York strip here's there's one time I had New York strip and I and I became a fan and it was like there was one of these guys who has like crazy Japanese beef, like insane wagyu beefs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And he sent me a wagyu strip steak, uh-huh. wagyu New York strip, and it was, I don't know, man, because I think that the I think the wagyu ribeyes are way too fatty and way too like unctuous. Mm-hmm. This thing was like the sweet spot. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's be, yeah because I've
1: had some of those and it was almost too much. But the strip, that's what I kind of like about the strip is that it's. It's uh it's a little less a little less, a little less fancy. Yeah. It's just a little more rough, steaky kind of uh kind of a cut. Um but yeah, that kind of a meal is such a uh that would be the last one for sure.
0: I think steakhouse is probably the most popular meal uh that people want at the on their way out. I was thinking that. That's yeah, I could I could totally understand
1: that. Yeah, it, it, there's something about it because it's decadent. and it's, It is. It's decadent and satisfying in every way. You throw a martini next to it and
0: then you break out of jail. Stab everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I also just love the steakhouse because I feel like it's the most, it's like it makes me more proud of American food than anything else that we've done. It's just mm-hmm. such a, it's literally like it's, a, it's made for you to, to, I know you have this hilarious bit about it, but it's like, yeah, you have to just like, Roll out and just like hate your life. <laughs> when you're walking oh, out, oh, That's the, the point. <laughs> there's yeah,
1: you're elated on the way out, but when you're laying in bed and having meat sweats, yeah, <laughs> late at night, it's it's definitely questionable of how you <laughs> acted. But you're right, it's purely American. The the decor, the wood, the glassware, all of it is so great. And I would say if uh, if you're in New York, the Del Friscos, New York Strip, is one of the uh, the best in New York, I think.
0: Interesting. Are you in LA? You're in LA, I'm right? I'm in LA, yeah. What's your, do you have an LA steakhouse that you hit up? No, not really. Not really. Yeah.
1: I, it's not, not the like same. that. No, it's not the same. Like there's Maestros, which is, you know, good, but it doesn't have that New York feel. There's something about strolling just out onto Broadway or Sixth Avenue after it that <laughs> adds to it, you know? And they've just been there for so long. Uh, Musso and Frank's is a, is, has that feel to it, but I don't yeah. think it's known for like having a kick ass steak.
0: No, the steaks aren't that great there.
1: Martinis are fun there though. Because they yeah. give you they give you it in a small proper old timey glass. And yeah. Leave the shaker with you so you can keep topping it off.
0: I love that. The little sidecar. Yeah, it's great. It's the best. <laughs> <laughs> what is the best high end meal you've ever had?
1: Best high end meal I've ever had. Uh we did a we did a crazy dinner after I was shooting this TV show at uh, Del Posto.
0: Oh yeah, that was Maria Batalia's place in the uh, meatpacking district.
1: Exactly. Pretty much priced for Wall Street expense accounts. Yes. very rough place. It's a, it, it, I think it's still there, but it's uh, a great place to roll in and have a drink at the bar. If it's on your own dime, right? (laughs) Uh, The rest of the meals or lunch, but like dinners there are completely wild and decadent. Well worth it. I mean, so creative and so. But the it's course after course after course, super super, um, eclectic and expensive and fun and there's wine and they just they just pummel you into submission. Uh, Yeah, that was probably that. There was one night when we had uh, some fancy people there and just sitting there and having that meal. That was probably the most decadent.
0: Yeah, not having to pay there is is a real treat.
1: A real treat. (laughs) There's certain places you shouldn't pay as a regular person, and that's (laughs) that that is one of them. It's not built for for that.
0: (laughs) No, it's built for expense accounts. It's not like. Hey, let's split the bill. You Venmo me? No, it's no. not a Venmo me type of place. This is
1: eight guys from Goldman Sachs <laughs> cruising in there to seal up some million dollar deal. Right. And yeah,
0: no. That's hilarious. What is the best low end meal that you've ever had? This could be a street taco. It could be a slice. It could be a... Yeah, yeah
1: I would say a good low end memory I've I've had was uh, eating White Castle hamburgers with my father in the winter in his car just filling up the dashboard with way too many burgers like it was a contest kind of a thing we always oh that's fun and I would eat with my father was always like a it was like a war going out to eat I love it just having like those little shitty burgers and those little cartons steaming up the windows. <laughs> uh, I love it. Yeah, but it was heavenly.
0: Do you have a favorite drunk food?
1: Nachos.
0: Nachos. Yeah. Interesting. Nachos. Loaded, like fully loaded?
1: Yeah, no meat. No meat. No meat. No meat. That's a, It's too much. But just the melted cheese, the salt, the using your hands, racing against the coagulation that's going to occur <laughs> the minute you stop eating it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a fun drunk food. For, for
0: that is sure. very fun. Nachos are also one of those things where I think the 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 basic version is always more fun than like the fancier versions of them.
1: Oh, hundred percent. At the Comedy Cellar, you know the Olive Tree upstairs. If you go there, if you ask for nachos Tom Papa style, they'll give it to you the old way they used to do it. They changed their menu over. The old way was so simple, where they just gave you a plate of chips with just the cheese melted on them, and then a side plate of olives, lettuce, onions, jalapenos, sour cream, pico de gallo, and then it was up to you how messy you wanted to make it, but the purity of just the cheese and the chips was a stroke of genius, and then they changed the menu, and they glob it all on, and you've got the big mess, and you're digging through beans with your fingers, and it's a horrible, horrible disaster. But it's on the menu. But if you do ask for the Tom Papa, they'll give it to the, the old style.
0: I love that you were so frustrated with the new one that you were like, we need to have a talk, guys. <laughs> Furious.
1: I- <laughs> Furious.
0: You need to bring them back. And it has I, I will I will stake my name on it. <laughs>
1: two things, two obnoxious things I've done there. That was one of them. And the other was I they also keep a a jar of the right size olives for the martinis under the bar. Oh, yes. Because they go with those little shitty comedy club, <laughs> tiny, disgusting green olives. I'm like, I can't. They put like six on a thing to try and please me. It was like, No. You're doing it all wrong.
0: <laughs> I love it, Tom. We have a lot in common. We do a lot of these things that people probably look at us and they're like, "You're fucking nuts."
1: Yeah, we have to go Stop. out. We have to go out and eat together so we we understand each other. No there will be no one at the at the table eye rolling us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll bring your wife, she'll have her maple syrup. <laughs> You'll bring your olives. I have a restaurant out here that I make them make me uh, a a uh, veal milanese and it's not on the menu. Uh, and it's like the best in the city and it's like wow that's that's my thing they'll do yeah. it for me
1: that's the best yeah
0: that's the the dana Dufille. you're a um, grown up you're a grown yeah. up you
1: you you you've you've arrived
0: <laughs> and you know people think that people think that we're picky eaters that that not that we're picky but we're so fussy mm. and it's funny one once I was like I need to stop being so fussy I'm just I'm not I'm always the guy who who tells recommends the restaurant and I you know get my friends together and this is where yeah. we go I was like I'm not gonna do it once I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my buddy <laughs> and I'm gonna let him pick I'm not gonna say shit we ended up going to like an awful, cheap sushi restaurant, which if there's anywhere you're going to cut corners, don't do it on sushi. <laughs> yeah, We went to like Sushi Stop, which is like a play on GameStop. Oh like God. they thought that was like a fun name. And That's it was terrible. so awful. And it was not enjoyable. And I was like, you know what? This was my lesson. I need to be fussy because there's a reason. Yeah. You know, that we're, we're the ones that know. We're yeah, the ones that know. You're doing the work. You're doing the we're work. We're doing the work. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. do you have a favorite hangover
1: cure hangover cure no i really don't i mean the key is to just drink a ton of water when you get home to the point where you're you're going to be getting up five times to head to the restroom but yeah it's your only only hope and if it doesn't work and you just shot just grease just anything greasy yeah. And then, and then an early drink. <laughs> it depends how bad the hangover is. <laughs> uh but yeah, something greasy. Like, like like when I'm wake up after even if I'm just mildly hungover, it's the eggs egg bacon, egg and cheese sandwich. Yeah. Is the uh usually does the trick.
0: That's yeah. another one that I think that the crappy New York deli one is better than any of the fancy ones.
1: Yeah, Sam Sifton wrote about that in the New York Times during the pandemic that he really missed those sandwiches just sitting there at the deli just like the little crappy ones on the things, to the point where he replicated it at home and he realized the key was to wrap it in the paper, the foil in the paper. Oh, it it steams it. Let it sit on the counter for a bit.
0: (laughs) That's genius. Yeah. I know. I haven't tried it, but it sounds like it it has to be right. The restaurant that I missed the most during pandemic was a place that I haven't been to in like a decade, but it was just like, I want to be in the dining room of balthazar when it's just like popping yeah like just loud and grand like the
1: best so
0: great i had one night i had one night
1: there when it was almost closing time and it was snowing outside and they just let us come in and we were like the only table left in a snowy new york night Ugh. oh that was a that was a special one magical yeah
0: do you have a favorite celebrity like food personality celebrity chef other than yourself other than tom popper
1: yeah <laughs> i i really uh i really admire and love talking with uh chris bianco chris
0: bianco who is he again
1: he's the one out of uh F- phoenix arizona he has uh pizzeria
0: bianco, bianco pizzeria.
1: yeah yeah he's amazing he'd be a good really? he'd be good uh I did him I had him on my podcast during the pandemic and he didn't have a great connection, which was a real bummer. Like I I want to sit down with him in person, but I've been there a couple times. He's just an artist. He's an mm. artist, but in this blue-collar New York Bronxy kind of way. Mm. This just loves this loves what he does, he's very visceral. He's a no bullshit guy, but he's really passionate. And uh he's he's not you know the the problem I, th- I I find with some of the people who get popular the chefs and stuff is they it becomes a little bit too much about their image and they become TV people mm-hmm, <laughs> rather than mm-hmm. chef people and he is just a Just a chef.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's funny. I was talking to Jacques Pepin earlier, and he was saying it was interesting for him. He was one of the first TV chef personalities. Yeah, and he was like, no one was. You know, I literally just wanted to do it to educate people, just to reach more people. Like, it had nothing to do with like, because his ego was was at the time was way better stoked by like doing what he was doing, which is like he was working for the prime minister of France, and like the Kennedys wanted him to be. Their chef, yeah, and yeah. he was like, "No, I'm going to go teach the masses on PBS."
1: <laughs> yeah, no, those people who it's really about the passion of the food and what they're doing; those are the best ones. And Bianco is definitely
0: one of them. I've been there a couple of times. I love their pizza. I remember having a pizza there that had pistachios on top of it, and I was like, "That is wild and so good!" It was like a pistachio yeah, pesto or a sauce with the piste- It was so good, amazing, amazing. His food is fantastic.
1: Yeah, and he he uh, hooked up with. I forget the other name, but there's he's canning his own tomatoes now. Yes, I actually during the pandemic when they were when they weren't open, they did a fundraiser, and I got this big poster, Bianco something, tomatoes.
0: You were like, just pay me in tomatoes. Yeah, so
1: I I have it hanging in my uh, in my kitchen.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I hear his his tomatoes are legendary.
1: They're good, but they're not that easy to find, actually. Yeah. I don't know what, what's up.
0: Are they not San Marzano?
1: They are, but they're grown in California.
0: Oh, interesting, because, yeah. you know, the Italians make this big deal of, like, you need the volcanic ash to... Yeah, yeah. Good for him to recreate that here. I like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Okay, so you're on a desert island. There's mm-hmm. one food that you're going to eat for the rest of your life, and you're never going to tire from it.
1: Mmm... It would be bread. That makes sense. It would be bread, but like a good, real bread. Like, there's something. There's because that's the all the other options. Like, if you, like, I love wings. I could eat a steak. I could. Yeah, there's a lot of those things, but they're kind of the stay the same. Mm. It's like a good, well baked bread that's just flour, water, salt, and yeast with like mm. really good flour. It'll change from when it first comes out to like the third day in. And it lingers, and it's very much like wine. It's it's always surprising and and different. And yeah, I would go bread.
0: Where it's, when people started cooking bread during pandemic, and you had been doing it already for years, were you like, ah oh man, I was following this band before they sold out?
1: When I saw Jake Jellenhall, I think it I think it was him like talking with Colbert about bread. I was like, step back. <laughs> talk to me next year and let me do let me know how much bread you're still making <laughs> yeah
0: hey Stephen, have you heard of this amazing thing called bread <laughs>
1: yeah it has a starter and it just, yeah,
0: right <laughs> i did i i i do when i make bread i do the mark bitman the no need uh yeah. one which which i'm sure you poo poo on but no that's, for, good. that's it, right it's it It comes out it comes out pretty damn good. That's
1: what I do. I don't I do a no need thing. It's like three three yeah. four three, four hours of it rising and folding. Um, yeah, no that that's totally that's how all those artisan bakeries do it.
0: I've got to hook you up with my buddy. He has Seor. he's pretty he's pretty badass. His bread game is pretty good, oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: there's so it, it's a lot like comedy. It really is like you know, I know what I'm doing and I'm pretty good at it and still know nothing, yeah you know, it's, it's very similar to that. And you fail and there's always like, and now I'm kind of like in this rut where I'm, I've been making, I've, I wanted to just dial it in and know that I had this consistent kick-ass recipe, but then, it, then in, you start to crave like, well, I'm getting kind of lazy. Like I should be expanding and doing other things. And trying different flavors and stuff. So that's mm. where I'm kind of headed next.
0: I love those, uh, like the German breads that are super Ooh, dense with yeah. seeds. It's like more seed than bread.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually, during the pandemic, like when you would just fantasize in lockdown of like, where am I going to go when this is over? I just kept looking at all of those, like the Netherlands and Copenhagen and looking at where I'm like, I'm going to go on a bread tour and just hunt the <laughs> darkest, coolest breads in these great, clean cities i just something about that really attracted
0: me. well i just i just found out yesterday that there's a restaurant in culver city called destroyer and the chef is amazing he's the same chef from vespertine and he's he just started making one of these like icelandic like thick ass seeded breads that he's selling i'm gonna i think i'm gonna go get a loaf of that
1: what's it called destroyer Uh,
0: destroyer yeah i'm curious yeah if it, if it passes your muster but yeah he's pretty legit
1: yeah that sounds great
0: what is your bread place in la where do you normally go
1: there's um lodge bread which is really yeah. amazing those guys are kick-ass i think they have two locations now they're so good yeah uh bell's bagels is uh a, the best bagel i found out here um and they were Working with Bub and Grandmas, mm-hmm. and Bub and Grandma uh, Andy Caden is the the founder of that, and they supply bread for everybody. Like they supply bread for Moza, yeah, you know, which is crazy that you're supplying bread for Nancy Silverton. Like he's all over the city and so dialed in. Uh, they don't have a retail spot yet, but you can. They're so popular that everybody advertises we carry Bub and Grandma's bread.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. There's a Tartine. I think Tartine opened and then they didn't. And then that one closed, happened. like the big
1: manufacturing closed. Yeah, yeah. But they still have a spot in uh Hollywood and uh that bread's still
0: It's still pretty great.
1: Still the champs, yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. What is there a food that you can't stand eating? Beets. Really? They taste too much like the ground, that's what people say.
1: Yeah, too much like those like the like those olives are gonna taste in my <laughs> fridge
0: no beets i'm i'm okay with i i feel like i've got i got i love beets but the the goat cheese beet salad craze just like fucking enough already (laughs) i know
1: it really i can get them down if i have to and some people can pull it off but it's definitely my one everything i literally eat everything else on the planet right like i i one of those people that just figures out what a food is by eating it <laughs> right <laughs> like, uh i have no problem with eating anything but something about beets it's probably a childhood thing i was probably made yeah. to eat them from a can or something
0: yeah that's probably it yeah well, but it's okay i let I, I that's that's an easy one to uh, that's a lot of people's can't stand food yeah oh that's funny. yeah now my favorite last question my favorite question which is what is your restaurant pet peeve oh man there's a comics have so many. Yeah. <laughs> comics I have so many of them.
1: Yeah. When you're on the road hitting it for a long time and I come home and like go out with my wife, I'm just like, my fuse is so short. Right. <laughs> uh, I hate the expression, uh, are you still working on that? Oh, yeah. It's so gross. You're having, I hate it. Ha- are you working on it? Like you're plowing through some
0: <laughs> grunt work. I hate like that. Like you're clocking in. Are you yeah. ready to clock out?
1: Or when they <laughs> see that you're chewing. They see you just, and they start, it's like, and they ask you questions, like being at the dentist when they've got all this stuff in your mouth, and (laughs) now it's time to talk. It's like, don't, just leave, just, it's a fine line between taking care of you and leaving you alone. Yeah. You know, there's that, that's why I love like and Franks, like those places that have career waiters yes the old school they know the
0: the pre-woke guys that like (laughs) ask you like and what will the lady be having like they won't like even ask her
1: (laughs) right oh i love those
0: places (laughs)
1: he's got a land of lakes carton in his pocket (laughs) to show you the trick (laughs) hey let me show you some boobs take this down
0: (laughs) yeah no that is a that is a great pet peeve it's because it's it's true it's kind of like read the room read the table know when to jump in Like, if I'm telling, like, a really, like, you'll be, like, telling, like, a really depressing thing to a friend. Yeah. (laughs) Like, and then my grandmother's last words were, and they're like, hey, you guys ready to start with Uh, some uh, jalapeno poppers? Or the worst,
1: when you turn them away, when you're, like, you legitimately need one more minute to discuss and figure out where you're headed. And then they take that as an affront and just ditch you for an hour. It's like, come on. You know, this isn't a contest. Just (laughs) (laughs) let's get through this.
0: You're not you're not my like my doctor where it's like <laughs> yeah okay you're going to have to wait 15 minutes for when I'm ready come on
1: <laughs> yeah no just give me a couple minutes means a couple minutes <laughs> <laughs>
0: Tom, always such a pleasure to talk to fellow comedian foodies. Thank you so, so much. It makes me feel like, especially in front of comics, because they feel like we're so fussy. It's always good to ha- to know who the other guy is out there fighting the good fight.
1: Yeah, we're call- it's called thoughtful. I mean, how many, yeah. you know, this, life is short. And, you, and, and, and once, you, once you're a grown up, it's like, why waste time with shitty food? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Uh, Tom, uh, where can all the people find you? Uh, go to TomPapa.com that links you to everything tours and podcasts and socials and all the rest of it my podcast uh, Breaking Bread with Tom Papa is on there, all my tour dates just go to TomPapa.com
0: fantastic, and if you haven't seen Tom stand up he's, he's one of my top th- he's, you're on my Mount Rushmore of comedians
1: oh, that, that means yeah. a lot thank you very much
0: very, very funny, uh, Thanks for thanks for dropping by alright, we'll have a meal sometime This episode of Green Eggs and Dan was produced by Andrew Steven and edited by Jordan Aaron. Executive produced by Jeff Umbro and The Podglomerate. You can find more of their podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. The theme music is Beautiful Food by Idan, and the interstitial music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's really important to us, guys. Please do it. If you want more Green Eggs and Dan action, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Dan. Also, we have a YouTube page where you can actually see me and my guests going through their fridge in addition to other videos. Just type in Green Eggs and Dan in YouTube. Like and subscribe Please, we need a lot of subscribers on that page. You will really enjoy it. It's a very fun element of the show.